Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we are going to continue the conversation on child abuse and the Bible, part two. Last week we talked about um, a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to go over those scriptures. And we went over six of the 12 reasons that, um, ways that we can provoke our children uh, into anger. Um, but more importantly, it, it's these Bible scriptures that I think are really important. That We don't hear about uh, these Bible scriptures a whole lot in church, and, and it's understandable. I mean, I grew up in a very abusive and toxic Christian home where Bible scriptures were used to provoke me um, and to coerce me into doing what um, I was supposed to be doing, but it was done in a fearful way, not in a not in a way that uh, would instill love in me and, and, and respect and so on and so forth. And so, you know, one of the things that I did when, when, when I got back into recovery, I, I did a lot of soul searching on my parts of different things. And then once I started walking with God again, I got back with Christ in 2012. I, I, wanted, I wanted to see what the Bible said about child abuse. I wanted to, see, I wanted, I wanted to hear what it had to say specifically um, because we, we don't hear about that. We, I think that people cherry pick a lot of different things in the Bibles, and especially growing up. And that's where spiritual abuse comes into play because spiritual abuse is or abuse of any kind. is when people abuse their power to coerce or manipulate you into believing and doing things that, that they want you to do or, or believe. That's that's abuse, right? And, and, and as children growing up and teenagers growing up, who are we going to listen to? We're listening to our, our, our parents. Uh, we're listening to the pastors of the church. We're, that, we're listening to those, those figures of authority because we feel that, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and we are. But also, you know, in doing that, it, it can cause a lot of um, confusion within a lot of us, as it did in me, and, and, and misunderstandings about God and, and, and the Bible. And so I'll start by reading these. There, there's two scriptures that I'm going to read that are very profound. And specifically, um, one of them is very, very specific about the, 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 the consequence of abusing a child. And, and, and that scripture is found, actually it's found in Mark, it's found in Matthew, it's found in Luke. Essentially it's the same scripture. And then there's another scripture that's found in Ephesians and Colossians 3. So I'm going to go over those real quick, and then we'll dive back into um, how we can provoke our children. Because it, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, we, we provoking our children. How, how are we going to provoke our children? And there's 
ways, subtle ways that we do it that we're, you know, a lot of us are unaware of. I mean, that's just a fact of the matter. So um, in a lot of these ways that we do it, we do it because it was done to us. You have to remember, I want you to really understand this, is that everything that we're doing today as adults is all learned behavior, hand down from generations and generations of our family. A lot of it is the generational curses that the Bible talks about. It doesn't mean we have to continue with that. It's, it's recognizing the fact that, hey, these things really harmed me as a child. They really didn't do me any benefit. And I see it. I see the harm that was caused to me. I see some of that harm coming out of my children. So I need to do something to change, all right? And so that, that's what these are about. My, my, my main focus in life is I'm an advocate for abuse, especially sexual abuse of men because there's not a lot of people out there talking about it, but all forms of abuse and neglect, okay? So the first, the first scripture, like I said, it's in Mark 9.42, um, in Matthew 18.6, and there's a little bit of a different version, but it's the same thing in Luke 17.2. So I'll read the first two. It says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, and this is Jesus talking, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And the commentary that I read about this, in other words, what Jesus is saying, if you cause a little one of mine to sin, if you harm him and cause him to sin, you'd be better off dead. That's a pretty strong statement by Jesus. Right? It's very clear right there. It says it. Whoever causes one of my little ones one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. I want you to hear that. I want you to let it soak into your soul. That's a powerful statement by Jesus. What are you doing that's causing your children to sin? Well, Randy, we can't cause our children to do nothing wrong. They look up to you. They're reacting and acting on your actions and your words. As we become adults, you're correct. We have to become accountable for the things that we do. But they don't. we don't know that right away. There has to come a point in our life where somebody wakes us up and we say, Hey, you can't be acting this way. I understand what happened to you is wrong. But let's get on a healing path and so that we can change your behaviors and your actions so you can become a better person. Right, it's a it's it's a complicated, but it's a simple solution. But we have to have compassion. We have to have patience to let these people heal. It's a deep; these are deep scars, and the damage is incomprehensible to those that do not and have not experienced it. And then, if you go to Luke seventeen two, basically the same scripture. It says. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Now, this is Jesus speaking again. Look what he's telling you. Don't sin. Do not cause one of your little ones. You are abusing a child. You, it's gonna, they're going to fall into a world of sin that you have no idea how deep it gets and how dark it can be. But the problem is, is that we can go through our life and we can be forgiven. But it says you'd be better off dead than to harm one of these little ones. Think about that. And then let's go to 
um, Colossians three twenty one. There's uh, two more scriptures. The same scripture, two different, two different authors. Colossians three twenty one, or two two different books. Uh, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And we're going to go into how you do, how they can become discouraged, how you can provoke them to be discouraged. We're going to go over that here in just a minute. That's what this. Is about it's part two of what we did last week and by the way if you happen to be watching this on youtube um i've been having some issues with my youtube so um just go back you can listen to the podcast part one it's not up there and i'm hoping that this one gets onto youtube so you can watch it there as well if not just go to healing courageously podcast and you can uh, you can listen to part one of this okay so the other part the other scripture similarly the same basically the same scripture is in Ephesians 6, 4, and it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the Lord is who? The Lord is God. Right? And what is God? God is love. And what is love? Love is God. Right? So bring them up in, in, the, in the discipline and instruction of Lord, the Lord God, and love. So what is love? It's defined in the Bible what love is. It's no mistake. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I'm going to read it for you one more time. I read it to you last week. I'm going to read it again this week. This is God and this is love. God and love are are two in the same. Okay? Love is patient. God is patient. You should be patient. Love is kind. God is kind. You need to be kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. God does not envy. God does not boast. And God is not proud. You should not envy. You shouldn't boast. And you shouldn't be proud. It does not dishonor. God does not dishonor others. Do not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Don't be self-seeking. God is not self-seeking. It is easily, it is not easily angered. God, He is not easily angered. Don't be easily angered. It, love or God keeps no record of wrongs. Don't be keeping records of wrongs. I've been married to my wife for 38 years, for gosh sakes. And in in, in, in in 2014, oh, I'm all messed up. That 2004. <laughs> 2004, I had an affair. I will tell you this, that my wife has never once thrown that affair in my face. We have never once, as a married couple, thrown anything from the past in in each other's face. It, it, It doesn't do no good. My wife forgave me. We've done a lot of work since 2004 to heal our relationship. It doesn't do no good to throw it in our face. I allow Kathy to talk about some of the pain as it comes up, even today, without getting upset with it. I did it to her. She got she's get triggers once in a while. I, I I'm there to help her through it. She does not throw it in my face. She talks about her pain, which is legitimate. She doesn't say you did this and you did that. That's not what she says. This she says, This is how I'm feeling. I just got triggered. Okay, I understand. Love or God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
You should not rejoice in evil or delight in evil, but you need to be rejoicing in the truth. If we're going to talk to our children and discipline our children, start it with a positive. Tell, let them know something good about them. And then discuss the issue at hand that maybe they tripped, maybe you know they, they, they didn't do things to exactly to your liking. Discuss that in a loving way and then always end again on a positive note. I'm not saying ignore what they did wrong, but remind them that, hey, you're a good kid. Man, you're doing this and you're doing that, but this right here is just not up to standard for I, I know what you can do. You're such a good kid. You you know, you got to always go positive, negative, and positive. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. God always protects. God always trusts. He gives us free will, but he trusts us. And he always perseveres. Therefore, we must always trust, protect, we are to protect our children at all costs. They are children of God just like we are. And your job as a parent is to protect them with your life. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually. God always perseveres. Hope your child to always persevere. You might not have had parents that did that for you. The wisest advice that I was ever given by my mentors is, Randy, be the father today to your children that you always wanted growing up. That's the best advice I have ever received. And my children are grown adults, and I've done that ever since that man told me that. I mentor people in the same way. I treat my wife the same way. Philippians 2.5 tells us, be Christ-minded in all that we do. Be Christ-minded in all that we do. What will Christ do? Think about how Christ acts. Think about uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Put that, uh, wherever you got to do, put that in your child's bedroom so that when you go in to have that moment of, of, of discipline and correction, you see that up there and that's how you react. You react with love. God is love. God is not fear. The fear of God is the respect of God. I respect God. Because if I don't respect God, then I know the consequences. I, I don't want to fear God. I feared God all my life. I feared, I feared my mother and my stepfather. I feared him all my life. I don't want to be that person again. I respect God with the highest respect that a person can give him. Because I know that if I don't respect God and I fall and I fall from His grace again, the consequences are not going to be good. Okay, so how can we provoke our children to be discouraged? I did one through six. I'm going to do six more today. And again, I want to say this: is that you know these these scriptures I, I, I've quoted several times. I've done different talks on them, and I was doing some research today on these, and I found this this article by. Um, by, uh, let me get it because I want to give him the credit. This is not me, uh, but it's point on and it, it, it why invent the will when somebody's already got out of it. It's by Pedro uh, Chung, C H E U N G, and it was written on, uh, it's called Provoke Children to Anger. Um, oh, 12 Ways Parents Provoke Children to Anger. It was written on June 1st of 2019. So 
I'm giving this is him. It's all his credit. I'm just using it because it's an excellent reference. Um, you can look it up yourself if you want. Um, so I'm going to go right to number seven. I did one through six uh, in our last episode. So number seven, demand too much from our children. Wow. Put the wisdom from above. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open the reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. James 3.17. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a man, I gave up childish ways. I want you to think about that. If they weren't shown the ways of an adult growing up, how can they act like an adult? Permitting too much can frustrate your children, but so can demanding too much. Remember they're kids, and yeah, they're capable of doing a lot. But maybe you are a star athlete, and maybe you got two kids, and maybe your one son or one daughter is a star athlete, but the other one, maybe they're a musician. But you, you're pushing him to be the athlete like you were. Or it could be vice versa. Learn your children. Know your children. Understand what your children believe in their strengths. And don't put undue pressure on them to do something they don't want to do. That's the problem with the world today. We are not who we want to be. We're who our parents, our grandparents, we're who society says we are, we're the labels that people put on us. Do not put this undue pressure on our children. Your expectations must be reasonable. My middle son was born with an abnormally small stomach. He cannot eat much food in one sitting. Instead, he grazed constantly and snacked every couple of hours. It's unreasonable for me to expect my son not to complain if we skipped breakfast because we were late for lunch. Or, I'm sorry, we were late for church. Often Often my wife reminds me that the prayers that I lead my family are too long. Some five-year-olds might be able to listen intently for to a 10-minute prayer. My daughter was not one of them. Keep your expectations reasonable. Do not demand too much. When we de- demand too much from our children, we foster resentment. They may suppress it for a while, but one day they may explode in anger. The Bible, we, we're not supposed to go on with, like the Pharisees who go on and on and on and on about a prayer just rambling on. And a prayer. That's what you choose to do. That's fine. But that's not what the Bible says. It's just a short conversation with God, especially we're in the morning at breakfast. God just bless our day. Bless my children. Put veil, you know, put your veil of protection over them. Five, ten minutes to, to say a prayer at the breakfast table or at the dinner table, in my opinion, is, is, is far too long. God knows what's in your heart. Just say it quickly. The longer the, the more the longer we keep the prayer going, doesn't God's not going to hear us anymore. He's going to hear us just as well as we just say a short prayer. Children have short attention spans. Understand that and and and, and help them out a little bit in, in their in their in their life. Okay. Nice. 
Number eight, set double standards or changing standards. This is a bad one. All right. Do as I say, not as I do. Wrong, 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 wrong. They're watching you. And, and the problem with that is it's a hypocritical statement. And too many in the church do the same thing. And I'll tell you what, it's what drove me away from the church. And I know it's driven a lot of other people away from the church. I'm back in it, and I understand that I'm just as hypocritical as everybody else, and the church is a, is a hospital for the sick, not a country club for the wealthy. right? But we can't start it in our home. Uh, that's what drove me crazy. Going to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and my stepfather and mother up there raising their hands, praising God and hallelujah and talking in tongues, I guess they were. But then going home and molesting me, beating me and emotionally uh, abusing me. There's something wrong with this picture. And then a pastor who just said it's part of growing up and you won't be gay. Yet they preach against it. So what... What are you telling your children not to do, but yet then you're displaying that same action yourself by doing it? You can't be doing that. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. 2 Corinthians 1.17 he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, James 1.8. Being a double-minded man, saying you're going to do one thing and doing something different, or say you're going to do one thing and not doing it at all, extremely disappointing to your children. Let down constantly. Oh, yeah, sure. He, he, tells, he says that all the time, but he never follows through with everything. The only thing you follow through with is a belt. And that comes as a surprise because it comes out of nowhere. We gain our children's trust when we are consistent. We have to be consistent with love. When we change the rules or apply our rules inconsistently, our children will get confused. What I could do and my brother could do growing up was two completely different things. I, I, I didn't get away with nothing. It didn't matter what I did, it was always wrong. But yet my brother couldn't do no wrong. Inconsistency. Our children get confused when we're inconsistent. Well, wait a minute. You just said this last night. Yeah, I know, but forget it. We're going to do it this way. We appear undependable. We have to be dependable for our children. This creates unease, and our children get frustrated. When my wife and I do not communicate well, we have set double standards or changing standards with our children. Here are some recent examples. My wife reprimands my daughter when she throws a tantrum, while I rescue to console my daughter when she cries uncontrollably. Mom and Dad, you have to be on the same page of discipline. My grandkids, they're famous for this. And I saw it the other day with one of my granddaughters. She went to dad. Dad said no. She went to mom. Mom said yes. And next thing you know, dad's upset because he said no. Mom didn't know he said no. You have to be on the same page. You cannot cave in. 
It's real simple. If, if a child comes to you, mom's home, and you say, Dad, can I have an ice cream? What did mom say? No. Okay, you can't have an ice cream. They pull that. They, my grandkids pull that on me and my wife all the time. It's like, what did mom say? What did grandma say? No. I said, well, then you can't have one. It's consistent. They, 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 I don't want them to know that grandma's, what grandma says doesn't matter. What grandpa says doesn't matter. What mom says doesn't matter. What dad says doesn't matter. It does matter. It's got to be consistent. My wife refuses to give my children candy after 7 p.m. while I lavish my children with sugar treats late in the evening. Again, you got to be on the same page, both of you, consistent. My wife accommodates my children's special food requests while I quickly punish my children when they grumble at the food served for dinner. Again, it's so clear. When the parents are inconsistent, children get frustrated, partners... Partner with your spouse closely. Don't change your standards, rules, and expectations. It is important that you sit down with your spouse and you talk this out and you work it out and you know what your discipline plan is. You have to be clear about it. You got a trip once in a while. That's okay. But correct it right away. Don't let it continue going on. You might, and, and, and in doing that, you might disappoint one of your children, but that's okay. They need to learn that it's, they're going to be disappointed in life once in a while. And it's not going to kill them. Number nine on, 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 on how we can provoke and discourage our children. Compare your children to others. Oh my God, parents, don't ever do this. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are com commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Why can't you be more like? Because they're not them. Each child is individual. Each child has their own talents, their own abilities, their own strengths, and their own weaknesses. And you've got to treat them as such. The worst thing you can do is compare your children to anybody else. That just puts them down like I'm not good enough for mom and dad. And no matter what I do, it's never good enough. They're always comparing me to somebody else. Our children receive that message when we compare them with each other. They, can, they, 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 they receive the message of I'm not good enough for mom and dad. And I never will be. I never was and never will be. Each of us are unique. God created us. with. I just said all this. Creators with different strengths and weaknesses. We maximize our strengths while limiting the significance of our weaknesses. When we compare our children to others, we are telling our children that we are not satisfied with how God has created them. You're saying that I am God and I know more than God and I am better than God. You're playing God to your children. Do not do that. I know these, are, these are strong words, but it's the truth. Every child is different. Glean on what the, on, on their strengths. Help them through their weaknesses. We want good role models both for ourselves and our children. Seeking godly example is wise. Paul exhorted Christians to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Children want their parents to be proud of them. They want to hear the words, good job. I have adult kids. And they, they, they're very, they're not perfect. They're great kids. I always compliment them. 
I, they're in their 30s and 40s. I don't care. I'm going to compliment them. It, it prevents them from, from tripping as, as much as they might. And if they trip, we talk about it. But I, I, I don't put my kids down. It doesn't do no good. When a child makes a mistake, he knows he made a mistake. When he needs a support, go, how can, I, how can I do it better next time, Mom? How can I do it better next time, Dad? He doesn't need to be kicked, or she doesn't need to be kicked when they're down on the ground. They need to be lifted up. Focus on your children's strengths and virtues. Compliment your children. Encourage them. Remind them that they are special and they are loved. Remind them that they're special and they're loved, but they're not above everybody. Nobody is above or below anybody. You need to understand that. We are all equal in God's eyes. Number 10, break your promises. Oh, do not do this, parents. Sometimes it can't be prevented because certain things come up. But we have a rule in our house. If we don't know for sure that we're going to do something with our kids, we grew up doing this, or our grandkids, we don't say it at all. Not until we know for sure that we're going to do it. Yeah, things come up once in a while, you got to cancel. That's, that's a little different. You know, there's, there's things that above, out of our control. But, don't tell your children you're going to go to Disneyland if you're not 100% certain that's going to happen. If there's, there's circumstances that you know might be preventing you from doing that. That what you say be simply yes or no. In other words, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Anything more than this if it comes from evil. That's Matthew 5.37. The second part was Colossians 3.9. I was constantly told, we're going to go do this. I'm taking you to Mexico surfing. I'm going to take you here surfing. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I, and, I, and I will tell you this, that 99% of the time, it never came true. It was just false expectations thrown upon me by my stepfather and my mother. And it got to the point where it's so bad, my friends used to make fun of me. Yeah, right, boy, we've heard this before. So we can't, we have to keep our promises. It's essential. And another thing, don't make any promises to your children. I learned in recovery, we don't make promises. Right? I make a promise to myself about my behavior, but it's always, hey, let's look at this weekend as adults right now, see what we can do. My children do the same thing with their children, with my grandchildren. If they tell them they're going to take them someplace, unless something comes up that's out of their control, they take them. Right? They, they do everything in their power to make sure that what they tell their, their, their children, they're going to do that they do. You don't want to let your children down like that over and over and over again. Like I say, it happens once in a while. Things are out of our control. That's different. <clears throat> Number 11, chasten your children in public. Do not embarrass your children. I see this far too often. Moms dragging kids away, screaming, you know, by their arms, screaming, screaming and yelling at their kid in public. You know, I mean, if you're seeing that in public, that's not the first time that child's done that, and that's not the real issue. The issue is somewhere else in, in the home, right? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him 
alone. Alone. Don't do it in the front of public, in the front of in, 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 the, in the presence of other people. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. There's a way that you can that you do this. You, you don't scold your children in public. You get them to sit it down at home. You ask questions. The best way to get answers is to ask questions and not accusational questions. Hey, what, what happened in the store back there? What were you so upset about? Well, something's going on in their life, and all they need to do, they just need to be heard. Find out what it is that's bothering them so much. And see what you can do to help them work through that issue. Be a parent. And I realize, again, you might not have had that as a, as a, as a kid growing up, but that doesn't mean it's right that you don't do it to your children. I know these are strong words, and I know people might not like this, but the truth is the truth, you know. And the last one, show favoritism. <laughs> that could be so discouraging. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a real life example on this one. The scripture here is, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Luke 15, 29. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in your Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, I'm going to give you a real live example on this one. I go through what he read, but this is the deal. When I was when I was 16, I had a 1957 Volkswagen, which I love. My mother and stepfather decided that they were going to get me a brand new car. I didn't even ask for it, a brand new Volkswagen, 1970, I think it was a 75 Volkswagen Bug, for Christmas. So they gave me the car, gave me the keys. I was all excited, blah, 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 blah. And I was playing baseball at the time. I was, you know, I was, I was working during the summertime. And later that night, they came up to me, pulled me aside, and said, now here's the deal. You need to pay for that car, and you need to pay the insurance on that car. I went, wow. I thought this was a gift. So I said, okay. That's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. So I quit playing ball, which I love to do. Got a job, and I was paying for the car, paying pay for the insurance like, like I was supposed to do. I wasn't happy about it, but I did it because I figured I'd do it. I'm a responsible guy. So we're sitting at the dinner table one time, and I think I was 17 and a half, maybe. Not quite 18 yet. And my brother was there. My brother was a, was a really good football player back in high school, defensive player of the week every week at, at Daniels High School. And he was just one of those. He was a good all-around football player. And my stepfather at dinner one time goes, um, hey, Rich, are you going to continue playing football this year? He goes, I don't know. And my stepfather goes, you know, you got a lot of colleges that are kind of looking at you right now, and you could probably get in a pretty good college with with what your with your abilities, you know. And my brother goes, no, nah. I goes, you know, I, I don't think I really don't think I'm going to play. And he goes, well, why not? And he says, well, he goes because I want to I want I want a job. He goes, I want to get a job. I want to work. He goes, I want to be able to buy my own car. I want to be able to buy my own surfboard. I want to be able to buy you know I want to be able to buy all that stuff for myself. My stepfather looked at him at the dinner table, and I, and I couldn't believe my ears. And he says, hey, keep on playing football. Don't You won't have to worry. I'll buy all that for you. You don't have to worry about none of that. It's all taken care of. 
excuse me? Excuse me? Not only would you not show up on my baseball games, not only would you support not support my baseball, I had to quit to pay for the car that you bought for me that I didn't ask for. But yet, if he continues to play football, you're going to take care of everything he wants. That's favoritism. And I was the one being abused, not him. I was the one being abused, not him. Do not show any of your children favoritism. And I know it's hard because we love our children. But remember, if you have more than one child, they all see you get a different pair of glasses on. And you need to learn how to understand that. But more importantly, I want you to get these scriptures and really let them soak in and read them for yourself and do your own research on them. Because it tells you right here, don't abuse your children. Love your children like God did. Discipline them like God, like like God, like your Lord, like God, like love. What would what would Christ do? If he was standing right there and you were beating your child, what would God do? Nowhere in the New Testament does it say to hit your children. Nowhere. And the rod and the staff in the Old Testament is taken so far out of context, it's unreal. And I've challenged people on those two statements, and nobody has been able to prove me wrong. So it's out there again. I'm, I'm open for debate. So that's the end of this part two. Like I say, I'm an advocate on, on child abuse, primarily sexual abuse of men, but any kind of abuse. I do presentations. So I want to tell you about a couple of things coming up. Uh, September 11th, we have our first of a four workshop series. The uh, uh, the um, sorry about that. I was thinking about two different things. It's going to be uh, the communication workshop, personal communication on September 11th. Then uh, in October, on the second Saturday of October, second Saturday of November, second Saturday of December. Then it's followed by personal communication, journey to you, uh, secrets and lies. And right before Christmas, we're going to talk about forgiveness. The workshops go from nine to four. If you go to my website, Courageous Healers, or the foundation website, CourageousHealers.org, CourageousHealers.org, if you go there, you can um, click on the on the our services, click on the workshop button as it comes down. Go there. You can read about all the workshops, what they're going to be, um, and then you can um, click on the – you can either uh, register – for just a single workshop, or you can register for all four at a, with a 15% discount. It saves you a little bit of money. So um, they're, they're extremely good workshops. They're, we have one couple that we've worked with that said that if it wasn't for the, the communication workshop alone, that they would not uh, even be married today. So uh, go check that out and see what the Courageous Healers is all about. And also, if you're um, wondering about more of our services, Go to changeyourlifestorynow.com, changeyourlifestorynow.com. They're both up on the screen right now. Check all that out. My wife and I do marriage counseling, addiction counseling, all sorts of counseling. Um, we are SIMBA certified. SIMBA stands for Save Your Life, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. And actually, we've been doing it with couples that have been married for several years, and it's really changing the way they look at each other, changing the, the dynamics of their marriage. It is not a personality test. It is not a um, 
skills test. It, 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 it's not a psychological test. It's an assessment. It, it, all I can tell you is that it's 99.9% accurate with every single one of our one of our couples. It's well worth it. So check that out. Shoot us an email. Um, just go to the contact form, and we'll get right back to you and see if we can work something out to help you out. Also, you get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. It's on, on Amazon and paperback. Kindle and Audible, my devotional, the 30-day devotional of wholeness. It's on uh, paperback and Kindle. And then the 7-day challenge, which is a little tiny 7-day workbook that goes with Healing the Wounded Child Within. That's also on Amazon, just in paperback. So there's all that information. Um, wherever you're at, whatever time of the day it, whatever time of the day it is, morning, noon, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, whatever it is, I hope your day's been super blessed. I pray that your family stays blessed and covered with the protection of God. And just remember this, that if nobody tells you that they love you today, Randy does, but more importantly, God does. Everybody be blessed. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>